Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest edition of the Hardwood Nation podcast with your boy, C.L. Anthony, and my main man, Bryce Ward. What's going on, Bryce? The same as always, work and trying to enjoy some family time and keeping up with as much basketball as I can. How, how, how about you? I'm great. I eat, sleep, shit, basketball. Like, <laughs> that's what I do all the time. <laughs> that, like, that's, that's what I do. And I do it for free. I do it for the people. <laughs> I don't get paid for this. I do it all for the people. I, if I no, had, you, you do it for yourself, sir. If I had to guess, I would say I probably spend about 20 hours a week uh, dealing with the NBA. So that's pretty much a part-time job at this point. <laughs> You know, between well, watching. Good for you getting to do that because I know recently, until recently, you really haven't. Like the last couple of years, you, you kind of taken time off before yes. you started the podcast. Yes, uh, I needed I needed to take you, a break. You kind of taking a step back. I needed to take a break and <laughs> recharge my batteries and find a new direction for the platform, which I've done. And then with your help, have an announcement to make. Actually, for the last four years, I believe, two of those years, I was kind of on vacation mode. Uh, we actually have the second highest views for the HardwoodNation.net, all because of this podcast. So thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Oh, no problem. Thank you. I mean, you, you put in most of the hard work involved. I'm just like glad to be a part of it, honestly. Yeah, you deal with all my hot takes. So, yeah, I appreciate you. So moving right along. LeBron James is currently averaging the most points this season at the age of 37 than he has since 2009, his last year in Cleveland. This week, he actually became the third player in the history of the NBA to surpass 36,000 points behind only Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Karl Malone. How spectacular has LeBron James played this year, considering all the nonsense surrounding him? It's uh, to me, it's pretty impressive for his age and what he's still able to do on the court. He's like, you know, the moment he steps on the court, he's the most effective player on the court, uh, pretty much. Um, there's a few guys that can do what he does, but he he's still in that top like five in the league of where you're gonna feel his presence and that 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 age is a testament, you know, to his. I guess the training and the time he puts in all the time, especially in the off season in the prep. So, I mean, you see other guys break down or come into the league, uh, not ready and they have issues or they miss more time. I mean, yeah, he, he did miss some time. It was the ankle and was it ankle injury. Right. I, I said a joke. I think it was a steroid break, but yeah, he was having ankle yeah, injuries. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, he, but he's always in tip top shape. And it's clearly uh, paying dividends now that we're at the uh, more of the twilight years of his career. But what it tells me is that I I think we're still in store for quite a few impressive seasons from him. Um, I don't think we're going to see like a, a, a lull in his career just yet unless he just starts getting hurt. Like when Tim Duncan had that like resurgence year. It, it felt like he, he had taken a step back and then like, that was like his going out party. <clears throat> I, I don't think we're there yet with like LeBron James. I, 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 I feel like it's going to be a real slow decline. And especially I want to I get your 
take on this is if, if there is like a change in the coach long term in LA or just a change in the game plan, do you think him playing the center position more or the power for like the big man position on the court? Do you think that can help save his body instead of having to be, I guess, more mobile on the wing more? Do you think that's like a long-term play where he can still be effective no matter where he's at? Because no. to me, it seems like it could be, but I don't no. know. No, 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 no. It's, it's a short-term play because it's actually going to give more wear and tear on his body, pounding down low, uh, fighting for rebounds, taking charges, getting elbowed, you know, it, it, it actually is more wear and tear. Good question, and I kind of want to go back a little bit. This isn't the first time we've seen LeBron play center. This isn't the first time we've seen him play power forward. This is, it, was the, it was the first time he was starting in that role, where he started the game at that position. He's played a lot of center and a lot of power forward, particularly in Miami, his last couple of years there. So remember who I told you was the stand-in coach while Frank Vogel was out with COVID. It was David Fisdale, who was the Miami Heat's lead assistant during those championship years. So there's a connection there. So we've actually seen LeBron do that before. But no, it, it will actually lead to more wear and tear. So can he do it for like a month until Anthony Davis comes back? Absolutely. But then he needs to shift back out to the perimeter. So, for example, like um, cardio-wise – it may be better for him to be in a post, but physically, absolutely not. Does that make sense? Yeah. The only reason I really bring it up is just because with his size and mm-hmm. how mobile he is used to being, um, we, we're seeing a lot of, uh, especially uh, well, anybody, the guards get a lot of um, leg, knee, ankle injuries. And with mm-hmm. him getting that ankle injury earlier on, I didn't know if it would be like a safer way for him to be effective instead of always having to, you know, run. But just it's just a question. Yeah, because the the type of injuries he would get in a post would be like bone bruises, like deep bone (laughs) bruises, muscle tissue injuries, things of that nature, which could cost him to to miss the same amount of games. But it's going to be more painful for him just to get out of bed and also back injuries. Um, a lot of post players have that eventually, which we haven't seen from him too much. He's actually been one of the few players with his size and strength not to have a back injury because once you have that, it's a wrap. <laughs> it, it is an absolute wrap at that point. But yeah, definitely good question. So we know LeBron James is on track to catch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right now, going off the top of my head, he's, a, he's about two seasons away from it should he play the majority of games. I've said this a lot. I think he's the greatest statistical player to ever play the NBA. Will will his eclipse in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, barring a devastating injury, in your eyes, put him ahead of MJ? Uh, not that alone. It, it's going to take more championships for me to, I think, consider that. Okay, so he would have to at least win two more. He's at four now. Yeah, yeah. I want to see two more. And then it's still tough to say, but yeah, I, I think I think then you can you can really uh, justify it. Now, he did have a longer career than MJ. 
probably once it's all said mm-hmm. and done, LeBron is going to play probably seven or eight more years than MJ did. But I still say if he can catch Kareem and pass Kareem, he might not pass him by that much, but he's on track to passing him. Right. I, I'm going to put him right there with MJ. Like it's going to be a coin flip on, you know, who would be the best, but I'm going to yeah. put him right there. Cause as of right now, he's not there, but I think if he can get that all time scoring record in the NBA history, for me, that would alleviate the need of him winning more championships. So no more championships, just the points. Yeah, that that would that Oof. would tip that would tip me in favor to say he's right there with MJ. Well, right now he's not, but if he can get that, I mean, dude, that's impressive. <laughs> that it, it is it that is, is imp- that's something that. So I, I I don't have the list up in front of me. I couldn't even tell you which active player is second right now behind LeBron. Like I couldn't even tell you. He may be in the top ten alone. I think Carmelo Anthony may be there, but we know he's not going to threaten to uh, surpass that record. So I'm definitely going to pull that out, pull that up, and I will text text it to you uh, later today. But I'm going to pull that up because I'm curious about that. Another thing I'm curious about is your thoughts on Kyrie Irving because he's going to play this week. I believe he's going to play Tuesday. How do you think Kyrie is going to come out? Uh, I don't know. Good question. Um, I think, well, there's no reason. See, I'm torn. Like, he, he shouldn't. He's had plenty of time to prep. I mean, I don't know. He he keeps, like, a lean build, I guess. Like, is he always in game shape? Has he been in game shape this whole time? Um, I mean, he's do not, they have he's him not. on a minutes restrictions? But, I mean, I don't know. He he needs to come in and just be, like, uh, the idea of, like, the ultimate sixth man or something and just come in and spark, like, nonstop. Mm-hmm. Just just get baskets when the team is exhausted, I, I guess. I don't know. Um, if you have him out there the whole time with the starters, I mean, obviously, I, he, he starts the game. I, I just don't know how you run the minutes. Um, or, or what units you try to keep him in with. Because I would imagine you use him to shore up some of the time when you can't have Harden and Durant instead mm-hmm. of having them all out there at the same time, um, all the time. I, I don't know. I guess that's for those guys and Nash to figure out. But um, I don't know. Do you think they have him on any kind of like minutes restrictions yet or they, they just let him go? If it was me, I would definitely put him on a minutes restriction. I wouldn't bring him off the bench, but I would put him on a minutes description and I would still have James Harden be the primary ball handler. And here's why I'd say that because Harden has had a, a, a good last couple of weeks, even though they called another L last night against the <laughs> very injured Clippers. Um, Harden has been playing better. So I, I wouldn't take the ball out of Harden's hands right now. So I would have Kyrie playing off the ball more as a two guard versus the uh, facilitator in the offense. Really quick, hold that thought. I want to go back to our previous conversation because I pulled the list up here on my iPad. So, Carmelo Anthony is in the top 10, but he's nowhere near threatening LeBron James or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's 11,000 points behind, but he's number nine. The next active player on this list, and this is just the top 25, is number 24, and that's Kevin Durant. He would have to score another 14,000 points <laughs> to catch Kareem or LeBron. 
And I don't think at his age he's going to be capable of doing that, considering he did lose a season. Um, what do you think about is, that? Uh, Kevin Durant compared I, to LeBron James? I believe there's a five- or six-year difference. I can't remember that off the top of my head. But because Durant's sitting at 24,000, he has to hit 38. What do you think? I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> that seems a bit much. Because <laughs> I'm consider consider looking at this list in the top twenty five. There's only three players in the top twenty five active: LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, and Kevin Durant. That is phenomenal. <laughs> that is That's phenomenal. That's wild. Do you think? And how old is uh, Stephen Curry? Steph Curry is like 30, 32, 33. He missed too much time, I guess, early he on. Did. Even. Remember, yeah, remember early in this yeah. year, he, he lost a couple of – he actually lost a full season almost twice with those ankle injuries and that last yeah. injury that he had. All right, so get back yeah. okay. get back to Tyree. So, like I said, off the ball, keep the ball in James Harden's hands because I think it will be too big of an, of an adjustment right now to take the ball out of James Harden's hands and then let Durant be Durant because we, we, we know what Durant's going to do every night. 30 to 35 points, and that's it. That, that's all he needs to do. So my next question is, if the Brooklyn Nets do not win the championship this season, what will the excuse be? Because God knows we heard every excuse in the book last season. What will it be this year? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to like basically tell you the same thing I told you the other day because I don't have a really good answer for it other than the stuff we've kind of been saying all season. Because I don't think either one of us had the illusion that Brooklyn was going to have some kind of like cakewalk, even with Kyrie healthy, just getting into the or getting winning a championship. Um, I didn't. And I'm pretty sure you didn't either. Not that I didn't think they ha- didn't have the talent to get there. I just didn't think there was anything else. Like, besides those three, and I didn't think that was enough. Um, and, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, we're having to eat crow with our Lakers pick because uh, they, they don't look anywhere capable of winning a championship right now either. So, you know, we'll be the first ones to admit we're wrong there. But I don't know what Brooklyn says or does because, for me, it's not a surprise. It's I didn't think it would ultimately be enough because there's nothing else there. Um, the, the load that Durant and those guys are going to have to carry, um, I just think, is for a, seven, a really intense seven-game series against another great team that the other, the other teams that are there have depth. You know, the other teams that are going to be there at the end, they have a bench. They have other other weapons. And I just don't think that those three guys were going to be quite enough. Now, I could be crazy. That's fine. But I don't know what the excuse is because I, I don't really – I didn't see it to begin with. I, I don't know. Their bench, uh, Kyrie Irving missing so much time with the team, um, James Harden coming in. Um, and having problems, you know, both with his conditioning and with the rule change. You can't put any blame on Kevin Durant because he's playing like an MVP. Um, 
I don't know what their excuse is. Steve Nash not being experienced. I don't know. How many things can we pick? The bench, the bench all being old and decrepit. What more what more can you say? But I, I wasn't convinced of it to begin with. Not to be like, oh, they won a championship. I'm so surprised. It's just I thought it would be a lot for them to pull it all together. And so I don't know. What do you think their excuse is? Well, I was coming from a, a, a fan perspective because we heard all the Brooklyn Dick Rogers crying all year about people being hurt, you know, people being out, COVID, yada, 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 yada. So I was wondering, OK, what excuses are left for them to use this year? Um, I went on record earlier this year and one of the podcasts stating that I don't think Steve Nash is going to be the coach next year if they don't win the championship this year, because something at that point will have to change. Something will have to change. Because for almost two years now, all we've heard is Brooklyn's the best team in basketball. Brooklyn's going to win a championship. And we have stood strong and said, how? <laughs> it's not going to happen. So we're, Kyrie's coming back. They're going to be, quote, unquote, complete. I think some people are going to talk about continuity as far as Kyrie Irving only being allowed to play in role games. So that might be an excuse somebody would come with. But I asked you this question last year. I believe Kevin was on with us. I'm going to ask it again. If Brooklyn doesn't win the championship, would you consider it a complete and other failure? Yes. Got it. I'm, 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 in, I'm in total agreement with you. Now, with that said, let's take a look at the standings because we actually had some, some, some funny stuff happen. We had some funny stuff. So remember I told you Brooklyn took another L. They lost to the Clippers. They also lost to the 76ers this week. Lord, I can't talk today. Brooklyn's not number one in the East anymore. The hottest team in the NBA currently is the Chicago Bulls. They're number one in the East, Bryce. How do you feel about that? Um, a li- I, don't, I thought they were going to be good. I didn't know how good. Mm-hmm. They look very impressive. The East does not seem easy. Philly has had some issues. Of course, uh, as we know, since the offseason, Milwaukee had to get healthy and get their roster back. Uh, Brooklyn was a question mark in terms of really how far they could take themselves. Uh, Boston was a small question mark. There there was a lot of competition, though. Uh, We didn't know what Atlanta and New York were going to be like after capitalizing on strong seasons. But it seemed like it was going to be a very tough East. And the Bulls, we've said the whole time, look like they're going to be great on paper. And they've been great all season, completely healthy, and even better than a lot of teams when they've been broken up. Um, Because they've been hit with a lot of issues as well, just like all all the teams. But I didn't think they would piece it together so fast and be so efficient so early. And to all the people that pissed off the Rosen. (laughs) Uh, y'all fucked up because he's having like the best season of his career dude you saw Um, the game which is crazy didn't he i think he hit two he hit another one last night yeah yeah didn't he hit another one yeah they're like let's make it close so derozan can hit game winners bro like (laughs) look that team has some studs. You know You know the love we both have for Vooch. Vooch has been playing solid, double-double machine, doing Vooch things. Zach Levine is being Zach Levine. He's playing great at an all-star caliber. 
when Lonzo was there before COVID, he was playing great. But DeMar DeRozan has separated himself from those two, and he's been playing at a superstar level. He should be in the All-Star game, and I give him a vote for uh, a first-team All-NBA selection at this point because he is showing something that we have never seen from him. Never seen it, from him. If he would have played like this in Toronto, they might have oh, gotten another championship. Yeah, they might have would have beat Cleveland one of those years. He he has taken that leadership role, which we've never seen him before. Because even when even in Toronto, Kyle Lowry was the leader of that team. DeRozan could have been the best player, but Kyle Lowry was the leader of that team. And now even and who was the guy right before DeRozan that was basically DeRozan on that team? He was older. Um, on that on that team, Rudy Gay. No, Rudy Gay wasn't on that team. I, I don't remember. You might be thinking of, of another team. I mean, Bosch was there before. The, you had the Bosch years, and then you trans, transferred there, into the— There was someone there with Lowry and DeRozan, I want to say. Okay. Anyways, yeah, I don't know what happened, but it's crazy. Yeah, he, he, he is playing phenomenal. And like I say, is he the best player talent-wise on the team? No, that's Zach Levine. But he is showing that he has balls the size of grapefruits. And I mean, I didn't even, I heard of the game winner last night. I didn't see it. But the, the other game winner, I saw it live and I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, I couldn't believe it. When, mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, a one legged runner behind a three point line and banked it in. I was like, what the fuck? And then he just stood there and bowled. <laughs> I was like, yeah. dude, I felt that. I was like, yes. <laughs> so I'm going to go through the, the, the top five teams in the NBA right now. So these are teams by record going by their last 10 games. So we just talked about Chicago, eight and two in their last 10 games. Well, there's another Eastern Conference team that's been eight and two in their last 10 games. And they've been <laughs> hurt, beat up, COVID, G League players from everywhere. The Miami Heat are eight and two. So those are your two top teams in the NBA right now based on their last 10 games. Then you have Milwaukee, who is surging, seven and three. Golden State, seven and three. And the Utah Jazz, seven and three. So those are your top five hottest teams in the NBA right now. Let's keep it in the East. How do you feel Miami has been playing, considering Bam has been out for almost a month? Lowry missed two games. Jimmy was out for almost a month and a half. Um, Tyler was out for a little while. And now Duncan Robinson out. How do you feel about the Heat going eight and two in their last ten games? Um, you guys might be better off with Robinson out right now, but uh, the rest of it is a testament to the system and the coaching staff, I believe, and just having the guys fill in at the right time when you need them. You know. Um, also, I don't know what your your schedule has been like. You might have been a slightly. Uh, benefited from a weak schedule i don't know i'm not gonna just say that but I, I think most of it is coaching staff and um having guys that just already know the system and knowing what to do um because you, you know spolster being there as long as he has and you guys having it as much success as you have had in the past with weaker lineups i, I think a lot of that just goes to them so that i think that's what it is uh, but you guys have had a strong team most of the season when healthy, which I know hasn't been too, too much. There are too, too many games that you've had a completely healthy roster. I mean, not if you count all of Depot, which I know we don't. So, yeah, we um, don't. but, yeah. uh, 
I'm surprised y'all been able to stay eight and two with all of that going on. But um, I've I've been talking about you guys all season, so um, I'm not necessarily surprised. But you know, eight and two with everybody being out, you guys are just going to be so tough when everyone's healthy. If you can get healthy, I know that's a big gift for everybody as well. So um, it's not super surprising. Uh, the eight and two is a little, but I, I think the heat to be there towards the end of the season, anyways. So, I mean, just kudos to the coaching staff, I guess, Spolster. To keep it to keep it in the East, because the East is very interesting. So we just talked about Chicago being number one, Brooklyn's number two, Milwaukee's number three, Miami's number four. I'm going to stop right there, because here's why. The top four teams are only separated by two games. <laughs> two games, Bryce, from one mm-hmm. to four. Cleveland's five. That's where the gap starts. So Cleveland is three games behind Miami. Philly is three and a half games behind Miami. So the top four in the East, again, split by two games. And I actually think there's an error here because Milwaukee and Brooklyn are tied by percentage points. But if it was a straight tie, then Milwaukee would have the tiebreaker. Okay. So. Do you think right now on paper the Brooklyn Nets can beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the seven-game series, the defending NBA champion? No. Do you think the Brooklyn Nets can defeat the Miami Heat in a seven-game series? No. Do you think the Brooklyn Nets can beat the Chicago Bulls in the seven-game series? No. Brooklyn's fucked. All right. We just had to get that out. Bryce. I've been wrong before. <laughs> Let me preface preface the choice. Bryce, Russell Westbrook has been a lightning rod for the Los Angeles Lakers this year. For his career, he's been a lightning rod pretty much everywhere he's gone. I know you've seen the chatter on Twitter. People talk about turnovers, shooting percentage, things of that nature. Um, I had a few Twitter battles this week with some people who I shut down, by the way. Do you think I've changed my mind and have turned on Russell Westbrook? Oh, that's a, absolutely not. I thought it was going to be a tougher question than that. Did you change your mind? No. <laughs> you could have asked me that about like basically anything, and I'd be like, no, he didn't change his mind. There's like two. There's like one thing I can think of that you had to change your mind on is because you were forced to, and that is um, uh, Drew Holiday. Besides that, you you don't really change your mind. Drew Holiday is the GOAT, and I truly appreciate his contributions to the NBA. And thank you for bringing that championship to Milwaukee because Giannis really needed that. Um, No, I haven't changed my mind on Russell Westbrook. In fact, I have doubled down on the greatness that is (laughs) Russell Westbrook. (laughs) I, I, I have doubled down on paper the second best Laker on the team this season. No, it's not Anthony Davis, a.k.a. Street Clothes. It is one Russell Brody Westbrook. He is the second best player on the team. He's been on fire for about a month. Look, his turnovers are like Shaq with free throws. You take the good with the bad, right? If anything, the more hate Westbrook gets, the more you will hate Anthony Davis. (laughs) I I know that because you already don't like Davis. So I know I don't the more hate Westbrook gets, the more you're going to put this on uh, Davis. I already it's know. Not, 
It's not that I dislike Anthony Davis. I've been consistent in my message about Anthony Davis that he doesn't make players around him better. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal talent, but he does not make his teams better. And I can argue that Russell Westbrook has done it before when he took trash teams to the playoffs, which Anthony Davis had only done once. Again, so it's not it's not anything disrespectful against Anthony Davis on paper in fantasy. Oh, he's fucking fantastic when it comes to a team dynamic. He's trash. And I've always been consistent in that message. So as far as the second best player on the Los Angeles Lakers, only behind LeBron James, who is the king of the NBA currently, I'm giving all the kudos to the world to Russell Westbrook. And I challenge anyone on Twitter to hit me with facts on Russell Westbrook. Because when I tell you I shut these people down this week, I shut them down. Specifically when they're like, well, he's not shooting bad. And I listed seven Lakers that he's shooting better than. <laughs> right. And I, he's turned over the ball. Well, talk about James Harden and his turnovers. And also LeBron James and his turnovers. But they won't do it because Westbrook is such a lightning rod. So, no, I'm doubling down on the Westbrook. So this is like a commercial, like an infomercial. Just keep bringing the hate because I'm going to keep knocking you down. Not you personally, but you know who I'm talking about. Those idiots on Twitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. Now that was my that was my Westbrook rant for the day. And I'm gonna keep doing this weekly. I, I I'm inviting the hate at this point. Okay, Bryce. I'm gonna give you the table. You have trolled me for the entirety of our friendship <laughs> about who I believe you consider the greatest hero of all time. Mario Chalmers. And you told me that one day Mario Chalmers was going to be back in Miami. And I didn't believe you because I didn't want it to happen. How did you feel? Tell the people how you felt when I sent you that tweet showing that the Heat was signing Mario Chalmers to a, to only only a 10-day contract, okay? Only for 10 days. Mm-hmm. How did you feel? Um, It instantly put a smile on my face. Like very few things have in the last couple of years. Um, my daughter being born, Luke Skywalker coming back on The Mandalorian. When, when I realized that you guys were getting what many consider to be the missing piece of the championship puzzle from back in the day, for you to get that kind of leadership and that kind of important legend heat legend heedle back into your lineup i just I, I was like how can they not win a championship this year you know everybody talks about lebron wade and bosh but i know from conversations with you that in your eyes the most important player on those championship teams was mario chalmers running the point and, you know, back when everybody kept talking about, like, Ray Allen making the return, you know, whether or not he would ever do that and whether or not he would ever just uh, end back up on the heat as well. You know, I used to joke around with you about, you know, eventually you would think they would try to bring back Chalmers. They've done it with Beasley. You guys have an old guy on the bench who's always there all the time just to be there. It's no, like if anybody would do it, if anybody would do that, it might be the heat. And lo and behold, 
we brought back the legend. And at the beginning of the season, with everything starting to get crazy, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring back Mario Chalmers. And you downplayed it. You're like, it's never going to happen. It's, it's just not. So, as we talked about earlier, with you being so wrong about Drew Holiday, it also, I found much pleasure in finding out you were wrong about Mario Chalmers not coming back. He's going to be suiting up for the Heat. And you should be happy that a Heat legend has come back to lead the, this team. Let me. Let, let, let me. <laughs> I thought it was a joke for the for the seven years that he played in Miami. If it was one player I hated, it was him because he was so fucking useless. And the only thing he was good at was getting yelled at by LeBron James. Okay. Heat Twitter. Disrespect. Heat Twitter actually disagrees with me. The high majority of Heat Twitter loves Mario Chalmers and enjoys Mario Chalmers. So they were all rejoicing and doing podcasts about Welcome Back Rio. And I was like, my world was crashing down because Bryce was right all these years. (laughs) I was having a Twitter meltdown. I'm like, why are are y'all doing this? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I looked at some numbers, which I do. Because my eye test tells me that he was trash. <clears throat> but I looked at the numbers. If I was to tell you that Mario Chalmers is second all-time in franchise history with steals, would you believe me? Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's a, yeah, fine. If I was to tell he, you... He, he spent most of his career there, right? Yeah. Or a lot of it? He spent yeah, eight okay. years there, yeah. Okay. If I was to tell you that for a playoff run, Mario Chalmers is second... With the amount of three-pointers made, would you believe me? Yeah, because I knew that was like one of the things he did was make three. So I would believe you on that. Okay. I, I figured Ray Allen, or I mean, I, I forget, but I, I figured someone else would be ahead of him. But yeah. Would you also believe that he is fourth all-time in assists and games played for the Miami Heat? So yeah. looking looking at these numbers... I was like, damn, maybe I hated him so much it blinded me from the player that he was. He was a serviceable player for the Miami Heat for a few years. So for sure, what what I'm going to say is, even though he didn't play um, the last game we played, he, he was there, but he didn't play. He might play tonight. Who knows? I will say that I will be happy to see him put on a uniform and play again for the Miami Heat. The sad thing is we're on our long road trip that we take every year. It's like seven games. So I don't know if we're going to be back before his 10-day contract runs out. They may give him a second one for shits and giggles just so he can suit up at home. But right now we're on a mm-hmm. low, long road trip and only our second game in. So it'll be okay. nice It'll be nice to see the crowd reaction to Mario Chalmers at home because the Heat fans do love him. And I do admit I'm in a minority for my hatred of Mario Chalmers. So I'm here, I'm here to give him his flowers today and to also give you your flowers because he was an important part of the Big Three era. And he even came to Miami a couple of years before the Big Three came together. So kudos to Mario Chalmers. You get your flowers. I will enjoy watching you for one game. And that's it. I hope you're fucking cut so Oladipo can come back. Mm-hmm. That's good. I just like when you're wrong, so blatantly wrong. I don't have anything against Chalmers. 
I just knew that it was always like a point of contention for you. So I just like to mess with you about it. So that's that's where I, I get I my joy. You, I gave you your flowers. I gave you your platform. Are you ha- are you happy now? <laughs> yes, we can move on. Uh, are we gonna are we gonna do this again with Brooklyn wins the championship? <laughs> no, because we'll both be wrong then. Look, no, because that we if, if it happens, we gotta have Kevin on that week, and we're just gonna have to eat it the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be tough. I'm I'm gonna leave you with one more topic because I want your opinion on it, and then we're gonna wrap it up. So, Kevin Porter Jr. of the Houston Rockets got into an altercation last night with an assistant coach, John Lucas, who's actually been around the NBA forever. And <clears throat> Lucas was calling the team out for their lackluster lackluster performance at halftime. So he called out Kevin Porter Jr. and also called out Christian Woods. Okay, so. From what the reports that I'm getting is that Kevin Porter Jr. threw something in the locker room after the argument was pretty much like, fuck this, and left the arena, just left. Christian Woods was so upset, he refused to take a COVID test and refused to enter the game in the second half. So he effectively bitched himself. What do you feel should have happened in that situation where a, a vet old school coach was coming down on some young players? Do you think they should have took it? and grew from it, or are you okay with their reactions? Because this literally just happened last night. Um, to, to have a more like clear opinion on it, I want to know more about what the locker room presence and feel was like up to this point in the season and see if this was like a standalone event or if they've been having problems all season. I'd, I'd want to know more about it. Um, with just this isolated event, like just taking it as is, um, I, I would guess, and this is just the guess, that it was just a miscommunication and the, the younger players not taking it great. Um, but that seems a little short-sighted. So I, I, I'm not sure. I would have to know more before I really gave uh, a better opinion on it, I guess. Well, here's my opinion, and it's going to be unfavorable, but you know us. We don't give a shit. Kevin Porter Jr. had problems in Cleveland. They shipped him out last year to Houston. When you have a team that as as young as the Houston Rockets are, sometimes you need a heavy hand to try to turn the corner, okay? You can be upset at the coach. You can be upset at the message, and then you can go out and play the best game of your life to spite that coach. And that's the avenue that I believe these young men should have took. There's absolutely no excuse for you not finishing a game unless you're injured because of a mess. You you don't do that. You don't leave your teammates. You don't leave the fucking arena because you got a message that you didn't like. So that's the problem that I have with it. Um, John Lucas, I, I know you don't, I know you don't know his backstory. He played in the NBA he was a head coach for years. He had substance abuse problems. He came through that. He mentors young men when he can outside of basketball. If there's anyone that you're going to listen to, it's going to be that guy. <laughs> you get like that guy, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes there's ego involved, especially with young athletes. There's ego involved. And when you have an older guy say, hey, your shit doesn't smell as good as you think it does, it might rub the young guys the wrong way. But you don't refuse to play. You can be angry 
You can play angry. You can go out there and and light the court on fire, a la Jimmy Butler in the past. But you don't leave the fucking game because at that point, you've turned your back on your teammates. Fuck the head coach. We all know the players have more power in the NBA than the head coaches do in most instances. Fuck the head coach. You don't turn your back on your teammates. That's where I have a problem at. You don't leave the fucking game. That's my issue with it. I got you. So, on that note, as I said with a smiley face, we're going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Hardwood Nations podcast. You can find us on Twitter, at Hardwood Nation, on YouTube, at the Hardwood Nation, Facebook, Instagram, on the YouTube specifically, I believe the percentage of people that watches our videos has gone up to 90% versus ones who are subscribed to our channel. Now, we are growing our subscriber base, but we need some of you 90% to actually click on that subscribe button as well. Like, comment, and share Please. our content. <laughs> because as you guys grow, we will too. Thank you so much, and that's going to be it.